Welcome once again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris, with a guest that we've had on before. We have Dr. and Pastor Jared Moore with us. He is the pastor at Cumberland Homestead's Baptist Church, and uh, he, he is actually running for president of the Southern Baptist Convention, which we're going to talk about a little bit today, but you can find him at uh, on Twitter, or X, I guess they call it now, at Jared H. Moore, and you can also go to YouTube and go to youtube.com forward slash Dr. Jared Moore. Welcome once again, uh, Jared Moore. Appreciate having you on. Yeah, John. Thanks for having me, brother. I'm looking forward to uh, to our discussion. With the recent uh, controversy, I got to ask you, uh, Cumberland Homestead's Baptist Church, sounds like there's a lot of trad wives there. Is that accurate? <laughs> there's some. There's some. Um, there's actually, there's, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, with my, a name like Homesteads, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's how they were founded. Um, it's <laughs> funny. It was Eleanor uh, Roosevelt's uh, pet project, you know, divvying up acreage and apply, people applying for it to buy it, you know, work the land and pay it off. And uh, that's how our community was founded. Well, so, so Homesteads is, a, that, that is obviously it's intentional that that's the title, but it literally, it was Homesteads at one time. Yeah, it was Homesteads. People was homesteads. lived in a barn <laughs> while they built their house and several people in our community and in our church were, they were born literally in a barn. Wow. Wow. So, okay. You're the real deal. And then, and that doesn't get much more Southern Baptist than that, which uh, we're going to talk about that uh, later in the podcast. Cause I want to hear um, your plans. You know, if, if you were to win the the nomination or the, or I should say the presidency of the SBC and then, you know, the ground game going into it and all that. But um, originally when we decided to have this conversation, I didn't actually know that you were planning on announcing that you were running for president of the Southern Baptist convention. And, um, just to set the stage for everyone else out there, you've been kind of known as, I guess, the concupiscence guy or, uh, the, the guy that writes on lust of the flesh issues. And so, uh, same sex attraction has been what we've talked about, but of course there's a whole slew of those kinds of things, pornography being one. And um, and you wrote a thread uh, on social media on your Twitter account, and and here it is. I'll pull it up for people so they can see. Uh, it's um, ten lies you must believe to look at porn. And maybe I can make this bigger for people. I hope hope that's bigger so people can see it. And it, it's not short. Like this is a this is a blog on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have ten reasons here, and and it uh, you know it's gotten some traction and stuff, but. Um, Let's start there, and then maybe we'll transition to the SBC, just because, you know, uh, I, I'm sure that there's issues related to this that, you know, might even motivate you running for SBC president. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you have a church, you know. Um, I'm sure there's people in that church who uh, have looked or are looking or struggling with this temptation, you know, to, to look at pornography. Uh, and, and so my first question to you before we get into the 10 you know, reasons not to is, you know, what, what's your posture towards them? Cause I know some pastors, you know, they, they're very serious and, and intense up front and trying to kind of like, you know, really persuade people to almost scare them not to do this. Other pastors are, you know, a little more, I guess, uh, um, encouraging up front that, you know, you can do this kind of like a coach and stuff like what, what's the tact you take when people come into your office with this? Um, when people come to my office, I would, um, you know, just just love and encourage them, walk beside them. You know, it really depends on the posture of the person, right? If the person's coming in justifying it, then I'm going to be more direct. Um, if the person's coming in repentant, um, you know, then I would 
it's more walking alongside them in repentance. Um, and so from the pulpit, it is a direct response, right? So it's a, People, people associate today directness with a lack of love right. or a lack of compassion. Um, but I'm just masculine, and I preach that way. Um, I think being direct is being biblical, being prophetic. And, um, and so I talk about, I mean, this, uh, this post is uh, very direct. But it's also very practical, like the way that God has designed humanity the way to flourish is by submitting to his ethic, his word. And when you rebel against his word, it destroys you and your family and your society, your community, uh, your nation. And so um, I think that this is part of the reason that we're seeing people wait so long to, to get married. Um, you know, and it, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Could you unwrap that for me? Like, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, that that pornography is causing people to wait, you know, till their thirties or, or whatever to get married. Well, they're they're lusting, and you know they're getting sexual satisfaction, um, a counterfeit sexual satisfaction, in um, fantasies, stories, pixels, and it's enough to lure them and entice them towards immorality, to where. Um, you know, marriage is kind of an afterthought where when in most of human history, if you had sexual desires that were springing up, your body was telling you to get married. It wasn't telling you to go find pornography. Mm -hmm. And today pornography is so in your face through all the media. And um, I can remember growing up where, um, you know, even uh, where masturbation was condemned by the, by the church and it was even condemned in pop culture. It wasn't something that was talked about at all. And just through the years, I've noticed in pop culture that it's become a normal discussion. Like it, it it's considered, um, it's considered a, a normal thing that folks like on late uh, night television and and that kind of thing. Oh yeah, I mean any yeah. any I mean it's everywhere. Um, yeah. You know, when I was, uh, so actually in CrossFit, I, I served in CrossFit. I'm in Crossville now, Tennessee. Right. But I served here as a youth pastor about 20 years ago at another church. And um, I would go with the uh, the Pregnancy Resource Center at that time in our community was teaching in the public school system abstinence. And so I was going through that ministry to teach abstinence and the lady who was over the pregnancy resource center wanted me to teach that masturbation is a biblical alternative or a moral alternative to, you know, to encourage abstinence. <clears throat> and I wouldn't do it. I quit. Yeah. And um, she gave me a, a tape by James Dobson um, that was arguing this. Yeah. I, I think I've heard, uh, I don't know if I've heard the exact teaching, but I, I've heard that James Dobson uh, does try to justify it somehow. Um, and, and maybe it's different, you know, you could tell by your, you know, the accent difference here too, but maybe growing up, you know, my, my parents are from California, but I grew up in the Northeast. I grew up in New York and uh, I, I guess it's more godless here <laughs> in case, in case you didn't know. Um, and so, uh, I mean, I remember in, junior college, you know, the teacher telling people to experiment, that, that it was good for kids to do this, you know, that, 
you know, I don't know. It just seemed like it was such a, um, a, a, a normal discussion that you'd hear, at least in the world, you know, on the workforce or uh, in school. Um, but, you know, you're right. I think that even here, it's gotten more crass. It's gotten, um, you know, and, and I, I don't know the stats. You might know more than me, but like people aren't even having sex like they used to. I mean, I'm, I'm even talking about immoral sex, right? They're not even doing that. Like, like they used to do, um, and and even some secular psychologists attribute it to. Well, they they have all this access to pornography, so they're not. Uh, they they don't even know how. That's the thing. Like they don't even know how to approach someone of the opposite gender, and that's kind of scary in a way. Like we're losing our ability to even be human. <laughs> well, I mean, right? these guys can't even. I mean, they're saying that these guys, because of pornography, they can't even be ready to perform with a real person. Um, right. If they, if they get in that situation, their bodies and brains have been so altered by their consumption of pixels and fantasies and that the real thing is not um, even arousing. And um, it's just it, it's insane, man. And we're going to we're reaping what we sowed. I mean, we're at the lowest birth rate in American history. And it, it's and this is just the beginning, man. It's like it's going to get really bad really quick and it's it's an opportunity for the church get married young have lots of babies raise them in the word and we're going to take over the united states yeah well, <laughs> that sounds too sounds too trad wife to me i don't know um <laughs> all right so let's let's go through your list here because you have the you know 10 things and maybe we'll take this in other directions as well but you you, you have what I would assume are some like kind of uh, demotivators or, 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 or I should say motivators, motivators for people uh, to, to think about this in a negative way so that they may, might not do it so that they'll get serious about it. So uh, 10 lies you must believe to look at porn. Number one, your object is not a person. And, and I don't know how you want me to do this, but I, we could just go through it step by step and you can kind of explain what you mean or you could read it, whatever you want. Sure. Yeah, your object is not a person just refers to um, the fact that you have to dehumanize um, a person because there's no there's no consent. Like, for example, First uh, Corinthians talks about mutual consent for the marriage bed. Right. And um, there's none of that concerning pornography. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, depending on what you're looking at, you you well, not I mean, you have to do something against the person's will. I mean, it's not like you've had a face-to-face -face conversation with someone. Um, they don't know who you are. Um, I mean, it, you have to dehumanize the person um, because God has designed sex for marriage, and there is a covenant that precedes sexual activity. And so when you separate that covenant, you literally dehumanize. And the reason why I say that is because Genesis 2, 18 through 25, says it's not good for man to be alone. God literally takes a piece of the man and creates the woman. So there's something missing from the man. His rib is gone. And now his rib has been formed into woman. So he's got a piece of his body missing. She's got a piece. She's no longer part of her body. And so the two literally come back together in the marriage covenant. And the one flesh act is sex. And that is literally god's design and the further you get from that design the more detrimental it is to the person and so um for the person that you're lusting after um there is no there is no covenant there is no care there's no how do i care for this person 
Um, you know, there's no lifelong commitment. There's no um, concern for the person's well-being. And many times it's not even a person, it's pixels. And, and we're even getting more and more into that with the uh, artificial intelligence that's coming. Um, the, the artificial intelligence stuff is, uh, is terrifying um, yeah. because of the evil that it's going to be used for. Because the, the way that the law is written right now concerning pornography, I mean, they'll be, they'll be able to say, you know, th this woman they just met on the street, um, they'll be able to, if they can find a picture of her, they'll say, you know, change the eye color and make a video of this person. And, um, and then under current law, that's going to be permissible um, yeah. because it's a different person because it's different eye color. And I, I mean, it's just the, it, it's terrifying with, uh, with where folks are headed and with those fantasies at the click of a button, um, you know, literally men are not going to be able to even, you know, they're, they're going to totally lose the, the ability to even, pursue like talk to a woman like it it's bad now but it, it's about to get really really bad because everything's easy you click a button and uh you, you know dating man dating was miserable um i hated dating i mean my wife she didn't talk a whole lot you know that that's probably the only reason we're married is nobody knew you know she was a homebody and right. nobody knew this beautiful lady um was was home and so uh but, but I, her brother and i were big buddies and uh long story short our first date was like what's your favorite cereal you know like it, it's just it was just painstaking and um <laughs> you know it was it was rough but uh because I, I never knew i, I still I, I never knew like does she like me does she everything was fine and and uh anyway she kept going yeah. <laughs> she said yes so uh, we were almost twenty out. years later, man. Yeah. yeah, but but uh, but I mean, imagine being able to just click a button and you have no moral grounds to do otherwise, mm -hmm. right? Instead of having to go through the phone calls and the rejection and the and like, I always hated dating. Um, always hated dating. And uh, once you once you're in love, though, man, it's wonderful. But before then, man, it's, I I can't imagine trying to date today. Like, and I can't imagine waiting to in my late 20s where all the baggage that everybody's got you know and that i would have by then and i mean that would just be brutal so, so is what you're saying that there's a disincentive to date and this is kind of like uh with ai especially um this gives men all the reason not to go venture outside <laughs> into the sunlight and yes do what they need to do yeah yeah absolutely and you're gonna see more and more kids i mean less and less kids and right. the kids who are there are growing up without fathers if the mothers decide to bring them to term. Um, yeah. So, so sad. Um, and I, I relate to what you're saying about dating <laughs> a bit. And uh, I could think of some awkward encounters um, that I had, but you learn in that. And I think that's what you're trying to say. Like th this is how you, um, whether it's awkward or not, you know, you have to know how to live with your wife in an understanding way, as scripture says, and it starts with talking to to them <laughs> a, a godly woman is worth pursuing she's worth right. the uh the awkwardness she's worth the pursuit and the pursuit is miserable in the beginning because it's just and she was she was young and i was young i was naive i mean just 
Um, but it's a beautiful thing when two young, naive people believe the covenant, come together, cut that covenant, and pursue one another the rest of their lives. I mean, that is the ideal and raise children. And um, yeah. we've, we've got four children. I'd love to have more, but um, she she's very tired. <laughs> and she, she does like 90%. She stays home, so she does like 90% of the work, man. And um, so... Well, well, not everyone has uh, the same experience Jared Moore had with dating. Just so people know, don't be afraid. Uh, sure. <laughs> go out there. Um, but, but I, you know, your your point is well taken about um, you know this isn't a person anymore when it's just pixels. I mean, you, you could go back in time and say like, you know, what if it was just caveman drawings? This is just a greater, you know, complicated form of that, I suppose. And it, it would be silly, you know, why would someone be in love with caveman drawings? But yeah, that's essentially what's going on here. It, it's it, it it makes no sense. Um, uh, two, your object is less valuable uh, than God's image. So, so not only is it not a person, but it's uh, it's it's not it's less than a, a person. You know, mm -hmm. they're um, not meant to reflect God, which is the reason why God made all humanity to, for the purpose of reflecting Him. And so, by you using another person or another person's likeness in a way that God did not design. You are de-imaging him or her. Um, you're saying they're less valuable than God's image. They do not need care. They do not, you know, they're not meant to reflect God. They're meant to reflect your, or to appease your lustful, let's just call it what it is. It's satanic, right? It's the only reason that lust exists in the heart of sinners is not because of God's design. It's because of the fall. It's the it's when Adam and Eve, particularly Adam, began to image the evil one, began to submit to the devil's authority. And as a result, the devil's authority, the devil's way of view, viewing the world and creation, has been put into mankind through Adam's sin, and now all his posterity are born in the likeness of the evil one, even as we, we're still creating God's image, but it's a marred image. And Christ has come to restore that image to what God intended. Um, but whenever we participate in sin, in lust, um, and bringing that lust to fruition is even worse um, through you know, sexual morality, um, we de-image whatever person we're lusting after. So, so this is interesting because we were talking about, hey, it's not a person, but, but in a sense, and with AI, I guess that, that could certainly the case, it's pieces of people that they brought together. But with, um, you know, <laughs> now I'm using the word traditional, which is kind of weird, but with traditional pornography, right? So you're talking about images and pictures, right? Um, it reminds me of, there was like a meme that it was like some, uh, it was conservatives in like 2024 that had a you know, rainbow flag and it said, and it had a trans flag. It said, uh, reject modernity, meaning reject the trans flag, embrace tradition. It was the rainbow flag. I feel like that's what's, that's the world we're heading towards here. But, uh, but my, my point is though, that, um, there is, uh, there is a person behind, right. E even though you're looking at pixels, if you're the one that's, that's engaged in this sin, you are also, um, you're also looking at the, the, what, what's supposed to represent, an actual person made in God's image. So, so I think that's what your second one kind of gets at here. And, and that kind of is, is serious that, you know, your object is, it's less valuable because it's pixels, but it's also like, 
it's it's uh i don't know how how would you say it like it's it's fooling you it's it's trying to deceive you into thinking that you know this is um th that you're with a person who's not there that kind of thing yeah yeah it's uh you know it, it takes a person's an image bearer's likeness and devalues it um uses it in a way that is satanic not right. godly Right. Doesn't honor them. Uh, number three, your object does not need a spouse. Mm -hmm. so, so they don't need you. <laughs> yeah, that, that goes back to Genesis 2 where um, Adam's missing something until his wife is brought back to him. And at the very end of that passage in Genesis 2, um, God says, for this reason, right? A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Right. For what reason? Well, it's not good for man to be alone. There's something missing from man till he is joined to his wife. That is the default setting of according to the creation order, according to God's design. So you don't need porn and you don't need a sex object and you don't need, um, you know, I don't want to be crude, but you don't need an orgasm. What you need is a wife or a husband to covenant together with, to be one flesh with, and ultimately to show and demonstrate a real-life example of Christ's love for the church and the union that the church has with Christ. Right. And so it's ultimately a preparation for an eternal fulfillment in the church's love for Christ and Christ's love for the church. And it's literally supposed to be a living example of that and, and so just think of if you view marriage, so if marriage is meant to ultimately display Christ's love for the church and the church's love for Christ, and then the, the sexual act is meant to um, to demonstrate the, you know, the union, um, the intimacy that Christ has with his church for all eternity, the oneness. Um, and so now you take that unity and you bring it, together with pixels or with AI or with fantasy or something less than human. Like it's just, if you, if you understand that it's meant to display something greater than just, you know, a man and woman coming together in the sex act, it's meant to dis display something eternal. Like it's meant to have an eternal fulfillment and then to take that. And th this is, this is something Paul gets at when he talks about, you know, taking the temple of God and joining it to a prostitute, right? Like he, there's something seriously yeah. heinous in, um, in us being involved in dehumanizing another human being, but also what it does to us and also what it does to um, our relationship with God. And I mean, it's just, it's awful, but we don't. We often don't frame it this way, and it's because of the evil one. It's because of the deceitfulness of the flesh. Um, you know, the the justifications usually. I'm not hurting anyone. No one even knows that I'm doing this. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah. it, it, it's impossible though to well to compromise on God's word in private without also compromising in public. And we've all seen this, right? We've all seen. Um, if you'll dehumanize someone in private, you'll dehumanize people in public. I remember uh, when I was in junior college, we had someone come in uh, to talk about um, 
abstinence, uh, you know, STDs, abortion, all that kind of thing. And, uh, and the only, it was kind of frustrating. The only reason they could give to not in, engage in um, intercourse before marriage was look at all these diseases that you can get. That was it. Right. That, you know, and, and I had pointed out that to this person, you know, afterward, I, I was kind of like, um, you know, <laughs> this doesn't, this isn't a great argument against uh, pornography, which I know is a big issue in, in this age group. And because um, you're just giving them these physical consequences, there's spiritual consequences that we don't uh, fully even comprehend. And I, and I think that's what James Dobson was getting at when he tried to justify um, masturbation, because he, he was seeing guilt in young men overdoing this. And he thought, well, let's just kind of take that guilt away by saying it's OK. <laughs> It doesn't take the guilt away. And there's a reason that you're hardwired with that. There's a reason you feel bad if you do that kind of thing. There's a reason that God put it in men to be with women and women to be with men and not to to have a counter uh, uh, to to partake in a counterfeit. There's like a design here. And, um, and 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 it's a compassionate thing for, I think, uh, you as a pastor, you know, to tell people in your flock a warning. This is a cliff. You go over this, it's going to hurt. It's not just going to hurt the person if you're if there's a person, but it's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. And and I and I don't know fully how to even understand that because as you said Paul even says it's a mystery uh when a husband and a wife come together in that union. There's a spiritual thing happening and I can't even put words to it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um sorry, I should probably let you talk. <laughs> I'm no, doing most good, of man. the talking here, but it's helpful. Um <laughs> So you, your object needs uh, does not need protection. That's an interesting one. So that you, one of your roles as husbands, I guess, is not fulfilled when you engage in this. Oh, yeah. And you're actually using um, your object against his or her will. Um, especially so. So men think of, uh, you know, you notice a, a pretty lady, but you notice um, your flesh says she is sexually attractive. And so you lust in your heart towards her. When, when you do that, um, you're doing that one against her will. I mean, it, it's um, you are taking something, even if she doesn't know it, even if it doesn't affect her, you're taking something that she has not given and that you do not have a right to take. You understand this whenever you hear of another man looking at your wife the way that perhaps you've looked at other women, you understand what this, what this means that no, no, no. You're one flesh with your wife. You have covenanted to care for her. She is under your care. You've covenanted to provide for her and all those things. And then this sorry piece of trash man looks at her and he has not signed on the dotted line. He has not, covenanted to her he has not cared for her he has not loved her i mean we understand how heinous that is but when we do it towards someone else we self-justify the flesh lulls us to sleep so that it can slay us hates us um and so we we need to see that as a serious offense and we we understand with our with our daughters with um with our loved ones I mean, we understand that, but there is a disconnect when it comes to other human beings with other image bearers. And we should still have that 
biblical mentality, like First uh, Timothy five two. Paul tells young Timothy to view older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. And so that is how we must view older women and younger women that we're not married to. Absolutely. Yeah, good point. And I, your next point, I think you may have already kind of covered, which is that your object was not was not made in God's image, um, which is similar. I'm, I'm trying to look at the difference here. So here. You started out with uh, your object is less valuable than God's image. So um, your object, what's the distinction here that your object was not made in God's image? What you're trying to say? Well, th this is a statement against God. So not, o not only um, have you said something against the person who is not, you're saying he or she is not made in God's image. Now you're also making a negative statement about God. You're saying that God did not create him or her in his image. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, and then six, this is this one I want to hear you talk about. Your object diminishes God's glory. And I think, you know, the young man, let's say, who has uh, just partaken in this, he, he might be scratching his head and saying, well, I, I know it, it hurts me. I know it's I feel guilt. I know it's wrong. But how in the world does th this diminish God's glory? Yeah, when I say diminish God's glory, what I mean is it hides God's glory or you know, veils God's glory because God's glory is not in making a woman for you to lust after. That is not why he created the woman um, that you're looking at or that you're using or abusing in your mind. Um, he made her to reflect his glory, um, to be a woman for his glory, not to be some object for you to use contrary to that glory. And so you must call God a liar in order to treat his image bearer as something less than what he created her for. Gotcha. Um, you you uh, say number seven, your object is not human. So it gets to like animalistic desires where you disconnect um, distinct, you know, think of uh, human reason, love, um, all those things are thrown out the window, right? Uh, because sin is irrational. And, you know, you're now treating this person. I mean, and many times it's not, I mean, you know, it, it, basically it's based on, you know, pornography. I mean, it's not like, how do I care for this person or this person's an image bearer, any, any of that. Um, it's looking at blinkless faces or actors or actresses or um, people who are deceptive and lying about who God made them to be. You know, it, it's all this um, something less than what God intended for image bearing. And, um, you know, it, it's... Can I ask a question? So, so yeah. this is something I could see someone uh, pushing back with potentially. We do watch movies, right? I mean, I don't know if you do. I watch them occasionally. I'll admit it. Uh, right? With actors and actresses, they're not actually doing the things that they're portraying. They're they're mimicking behavior. Uh, and and some of them are good. I mean, I think there's actually some good Christian uh, efforts that have been made to, you know, like show Moses. You know, it's not Moses. Uh, it's, it's an actor that's portraying who Moses is or something like that. And... 
Um, and, and of course, the, you, you could say, I mean, that's fantasy, right? But I mean, it teaches kids moral lessons, right? It's There's good things I can see coming from that. You know, um, obviously, this is much different, but I but how is it much different? I guess is the question. How is this? Uh, when you say this, it's not human. This isn't the image of God. It's all those things. I mean, those things could apply to you're watching a television screen, too. Right. So how mm. is this different? Well, it's got to correspond to, uh, you could say, natural law. Um, it's got to correspond to what God has designed. Like, it, it's similar when folks talk about attending a gay wedding, right? They're like, no, 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 Jesus hung out with sinners. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners doing what they were designed to do. He ate with them, right? Eating is not sin. Good point. Right. It, it, it's a good thing. God literally designed mankind to partake of food. And so Jesus did things that were in line with God's design, and he did those with sinners. So it's like working with sinners, playing with sinners. And so when someone is acting, we would need them to act according to um, their design. Right. So it's similar to like we wouldn't go to a drag event because you've got a man dressed up like a woman. Doesn't matter if he's um, acting or not, unless it's, you know, you could make the argument for comedic effect. Um, but even then it would be comedic effect. Like it would be saying this is preposterous. Right. So it's in line with uh, God's design. I see. I um, see what you're saying. Yeah. And so, um, you know, sexual morality, pornography or sex scenes in movies where they're actually participating in um, sexual situations would be sin to view and to partake in. And even for those actors, you're, you're watching them sin. Like it, you're watching them participate in something that should be done in a marriage bed um, behind closed doors. Only that it's really the, you know, Adam and Eve were ashamed and um, the marriage, some of them was broken in the marriage bed um, with the fall, but with a Christian couple being married, there's supposed to be this restoration of what Adam and Eve, that shame, that shame is not supposed to be there in the marriage bed. And these actors and actresses who are acting these things out, there should be shame. There should be shame because they're not in the marriage bed and they're doing this for public consumption, um, which right. is, which is detrimental to them. And so when I say it's not human, it, it's just, it, it gets down to chemical reactions. Like it gets down to, I mean, what separates it from what ultimately separates us humans concerning sex from the animal kingdom is the covenant of marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, the animal kingdom, you know, they're just roam around and sleep with whoever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So, so we only have a little bit of time left. Let's, I'll, I'll read the next three. And then I'll let you go whatever direction you want to go. Sure. Number eight, your object is not an avenue through which to enjoy the Lord. Number nine, your object reflects your image. And then number 10, uh, your object is merely one of many objects. Right. So, um, you I'll know, it it, yeah. it's not about worship. Um, it's not about, you know, when we get saved, we build our lives on worshiping Yahweh, um, by the Spirit, through the Son, to the Father. And literally, our whole lives are acts of worship. That's We're under the Lordship of Christ. And, um, you know, when when you look at another uh, image bearer um, in a sexual way that is not your spouse, you view him or her 
as an avenue through which not to enjoy the Lord, but to enjoy something counterfeit, to enjoy something evil. Uh, really, it's satanic. I mean, we, you know, it's not overtly Satanism, but it's the equivalent when Jesus tells the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. And uh, it is of the devil to use God's creation in a way that God did not intend or design. Um, your object reflects your image because you are sinning. Um, now you're using your object as a way to sin, right? It's no longer just you sinning. It's you're trying to get someone else's likeness to participate in your sin to reflect your image. So your image, by you sinning, you're reflecting the devil, and you're you're trying to get that person to reflect the devil's design as well um, by involving him or her in your mind in something that is contrary to God, contrary to his design, contrary to marriage, contrary to um, the marriage bed. And then your object is merely one of many objects. This just means that if you're willing to dehumanize another image bearer and use him or her for your own glory in a sinful fashion, then you will do it in other ways as well. Like if you're willing to, um, you know, devalue another image bearer um, in your mind, then you will, you know, throughout your your day. Like you, it won't just be something that you participate in private. Um, you will de-image your spouse. You'll de-image um, other individuals at work, your coworkers. I mean, just just everyone else because you, you've already shown that you're willing to use another image bearer um, against his or her will um, in a way that does not please the Lord, in a way that reflects the evil one, and you're willing to do all that in private. Um, you'll also be willing to do that in public, and you'll find that you can't compartmentalize your sin you'll find that it negative it will negatively impact your view of image bearers across the board because it's ultimately selfishness right it, it's my way my will you know bending god's creation um, to submit to me and you'll do that in other ways and so it, it's it's a very serious thing it's sin is always serious but this particular sin is evidently something that is has run rampant throughout the church um, just based on stats we have, right? Like, what is it, 90% or something of uh, of Christian men deal with pornography? I, I would assume. I haven't looked at stats lately on it, but that would be my guess. Uh, it's common. And, and um, you know, one of the things you, you might, I don't know if we're the same age. You might be a little bit older than me, but I think we grew up, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't have, a, we didn't have smartphones, right? There was no uh, dial-up. You had dial-up internet, right? With a... Um, uh, and I don't know, some people, my friends didn't even really have that. And then of course, in, into our teens is when, um, you start seeing smartphones and this kind of thing. And I consider myself, I guess, fortunate. I didn't realize, you know, cause my parents, my dad would, would say that, well, they just had the only access in the seventies and eighties was you, you had to get magazines and you had to actually go to the store and buy magazines. If you wanted that, uh, you couldn't just turn on the television and, and see, you know, advertisements that are semi-pornographic. And so he was kind of lamenting, you know, the, the era which I grew up, but I feel like I'm fortunate because um, it's the Zoomers now, they are equipped with smartphones and technology at such young ages, they have access to all this stuff and it's everywhere. And if you're not looking for it, it'll pop up. 
And they're at ages where they certainly don't know what to do with that. Um, and so, you know, the thing, this is, I guess, where I want to kind of land the plane if we can, is maybe some encouragement because um, I, I know that guys who are teenagers or in their 20s now have been so affected by this, many of them at least, that, you know, they, they don't even know what to do. You know, it's just like, it seems hopeless. Um, and so, you know, what do you as a pastor, uh, Jared Moore, have for them on this? Yeah, so the first thing is is realizing that you are more valuable. Um, you're too good for pornography. Like you are, you're an image bearer, and if you're a Christian, um, you're the bride of Christ. You are a son of God. I mean, realizing who you are in Christ and um, and also realizing who these other people are, right? They're They're more valuable than they realize. Like even a woman who walks down the street wearing virtually nothing or very little. Um, she doesn't realize her value, but you as a Christian man, you do. And so you can't look at her the way that she's trying to get people to look at her, right? Because you realize her value. And, um, and so I, that's the first step is admitting and submitting to the Lordship of Christ concerning his design for you and for others. And then as far as encouragement, um, you need some hard resets, and so you're going to have to, whatever avenue through which you're accessing pornography, you're going to have to either turn it off or put an accountability blocker on there or get rid of the technology. You know, you're, you're going to have to, it, you know, it's kind of like detoxing from drug addiction, right? You say, you tell people, um, get away from the drugs, get away from the influence, at least until you are strong enough um, to perhaps have those things. Right. Or, or to hang out with those friends again. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so it, it, you have to have a hard reset and then you have to literally reprogram your brain with the word of God. I mean, you have to build everything around worshiping God by the spirit through the son to the father. And um, I mean, it, it's it's going to take hard work. Um, it's going to take and that's what people don't want to hear. They're like, you're saying I've got to, you know, well, sa sanctification is work. Yeah. I mean, the numerous commands in Scripture. Look, we, we're monergistic concerning salvation. It's of the Lord. But sanctification is something we cooperate with God in. We are commanded to walk in the Spirit. Right? We have to put into practice. And you have to take responsibility to put into practice walking in the Spirit, to rejecting the flesh, to repent. I mean, we know that on when we get to glory, we'll be like, well, God was the one doing it right? Not me. But the commands are clear. And if you are not repenting, it's not anybody else's fault. It's your fault. And so you have to admit yeah. that, right? And 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 uh, put your dukes up and fight, build your life around worshiping. Um, you know, that that's what you need to be focused on. And um, Amen. I, I think that there's great victory to be had in that people are missing out on victory because they're making excuses. And, and I think that's the big, the biggest issue. Well, I, I wish we had time. I have a hard break now uh, to okay. talk about SBC stuff. We'll maybe have to have you on again to talk about sure, it. Sure, uh, Yeah, I would just, you know, like to say that, you know, if you're 300 pounds and, you know, 5'2", then uh, it's going to take work, right, to lose yeah, that weight. Yeah, take discipline. It's achievable, though, and you got resources, and it, that's why you do have the community in your church. That's why you have a pastor to talk to. Um, 
And uh, you can reach Jared Moore. You can go to Twitter, at Jared H. Moore. You can go to uh, YouTube. Subscribe to him on YouTube so he can get to 1,000 and uh, monetize. But that's Dr. Jared Moore on YouTube. And um, we're praying for you as you run for SBC president. Hi, John. Thank you, brother. You keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep shouting into the darkness, right? God bless. God bless you, bud.